0: Hi, this is Bill Woods again. I want to remind you today, in this special time of year, that there's still power in the blood. And that Jesus Christ is still the answer to whatever your needs are today. I want to talk this morning about triumph and tragedy. And talk about the Palm Sunday celebration here. I, you know, I was thinking about it, and if we had been back there, we'd probably been with the disciples and say, well, who would believe it had been three years since Jesus began his public ministry? So many things had happened. Three years ago, John the Baptist had pointed Jesus out to the multitude saying, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' fame had spread quickly after that. People knew him as the great teacher, as the miracle worker. Some even dared call him the Messiah. Huge crowds thronged him everywhere he went to hear and to see him and to be fed and to be healed and just to be awed by the things that Jesus Christ was doing. Not everyone held him in such high esteem. The governing body of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, composed of Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, most of whom hated Jesus. Uh, There were 70 men plus the high priest, which would be 71 in the body of the Sanhedrin. Their hatred grew in direct proportion to his fame. They were jealous of him. He was drawing people away from them, and they didn't like it. During the time of the Roman governors, like Pontius Pilate, the Sanhedrin had jurisdiction only over the province of Judea. The Sanhedrin had its own police force, which could arrest people, as they did Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. While the Sanhedrin heard both civil and criminal cases and could find a person guilty and impose the death sentence, they couldn't carry it out. In the New Testament times, it didn't have the authority to execute uh, convicted criminals. That power was reserved to the Romans, which explains why Jesus was crucified, which was a horrible Roman punishment, rather than be stoned according to the Mosaic law. The Sanhedrin had to stop him. No matter where he went, people were following him, and people were listening to him, and they had to stop him for their own survival, they thought. They had to convince the Roman governor, Pilate, to execute Jesus. He was destroying their religious empire. They plotted his death, and it couldn't come too quickly. On Palm Sunday, Jesus began his last week of public ministries. His uh, guarded secret that he, that he was the Messiah was about to be revealed. He'd cautioned his disciples after the transfiguration to tell no one what they had seen, and I think it was probably a miracle that Peter held it in and didn't go blab it to people. Now it was time to proclaim who he was. He let people, the people proclaim him king. That day, the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 was fulfilled. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt and a foal of a donkey. Jesus rode into Jerusalem as a king in triumph. That's what we want to call this, is the day of triumph. After eating breakfast with his friends, Jesus and his disciples left Bethany to go to Jerusalem. The roads were crowded. Pilgrims were making their annual trek to the Passover. Every Jew tried to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. Jerusalem's population swelled from 35,000 to 350,000 during that week. Jesus prepared to ride into Jerusalem in the style of a king. Luke chapter 19, 29 through 34 says, "And it came to pass when he came near to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount called Olivet." that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way, and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosening the coat, colts? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Now, a conqueror would ride into the city on a white stallion, flaunting his power and control. He would have all kinds of regalia, big red cape probably, and swords, and a lot of attention drawn to him. But a king coming in peace would come in on a donkey. Jesus sent two disciples to find the donkey so he could ride it into Jerusalem. Jesus was well known. Everyone coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover knew about him, or they'd heard about him. That day, the popular mood was favorable towards Jesus Christ. And so when the people said, where are you taking the donkey? And the disciples said, the Lord needs it. That was all the disciples had to say the owners gladly turned their little donkey over to them I think there's a lesson here we should make our possessions available to lord, to the lord hang on loosely to all you have and when he needs it let him take it because god owns everything anyhow Luke chapter 19 verse 35 then they brought him the donkey to uh, they brought to him the donkey and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him jesus chose a time when all israel would be gathered at jerusalem to announce his true identity huge crowds could see him and understanding his proclamation was unmistakable the people were ecstatic They were sure that their liberation was at hand. They misunderstood what kind of kingdom Jesus had established and they thought he was going to throw the the bounds of Rome off of them and they would become independent and they would become again a strong nation of Israel. As Jesus sat on the little donkey, the crowd went wild. Their Messiah had finally arrived. They were about to get rid of this Roman bondage. And kings rode donkeys. So we want to describe the scene here in Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. It says, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Now, one group would say this, and there would be an answering group that would say, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And the first group again would say, lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And the second group would say, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory, Selah. Well, caught up in the emotion, people spread their garments along the path, and others uh, placed palm branches in the path. I always thought that was a beautiful sign of worship until i moved to phoenix and began to trim some of the palms and then i wondered if they weren't trying to kill him early but i guess this was a different kind of palms without all those thorns and stuff in luke chapter 19 verses 36 through 38 and as he went many spread their clothes on the road then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the mount of olives The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Well, soon they reached the summit of the Mount of Olives. And I, I, in my own imagination, imagined that the sun was shining down on the temple and upon the skyline of the, the city, and it must have been a gorgeous sight for them to see this beautiful city of God, Jerusalem, as they came down upon it. The Pharisees, though, complained to Jesus that the crowd was breaking the noise ordinance. We read in Luke chapter 19, verses 39 and 40, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, that if these should keep their silence, the stones would immediately cry out. The little donkey jogged on toward the Kindred Valley. The crowd grew larger. So did the excitement. The whole valley echoed with cries of, Cries of Hosanna! Praise God! The excited crowd got so noisy that the Pharisees again demanded Jesus to quiet them down. Jesus said, If the people held their voices, the stones would cry out, and they looked around and saw how many rocks there were there. Maybe they should just leave well enough alone. The Pharisees concluded in John twelve nineteen. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They were talking to each other and saying, what what good is it doing us to be out here trying to stop him because everybody's going after him? And it must have seemed that way that day. This was the king's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Nearly everyone was shouting Hosanna. Nearly everyone was happy and in a holiday mood. Everyone, that is, except the grumpy Pharisees and, and Jesus. Uh, and so now this was also a day of tragedy we look in luke chapter 19 41 through 44 now as he drew near he saw the city and wept over it saying if you had known even you especially in your day the things that make for your peace but now they are hidden from your eyes For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Right in the midst of all the celebrating and hilarious shouting, Jesus began weeping. The wild demonstration of affection by the fickle multitude caused Jesus to weep. Listen as his heart breaks for his people. In Matthew twenty three thirty seven. 37, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Here's the agony of a Savior over a lost city. His phrase, how often, seems to sum up the tenderness love story ever told. You know, Jesus had tried to to love Israel and tried to reach Israel and gave them opportunity after opportunity to repent. Now their days of grace were over. They still refused God's love. So Jesus sobs, I wanted to gather you together, and you wouldn't let me. He knew the consequences that they would face because they had rejected him. What Jesus said to Israel that first Palm Sunday, I believe he's saying to us today. How often he'd bless us, but we refuse to really make the commitment we need to make. He knows the consequences people face today for rejecting God's plan of salvation. That would be an eternity in hell. And I can't even begin to imagine how horrible that is going to be. And I've been so burdened lately, people, because the fact that some of you are going to end up there if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it's not just a brief punishment. It's forever and ever and ever. But I want you to know Christ won't send you there for rejecting him, but he'll let you go there if you choose to reject him. You have the power of choice. I hear people say, well, why would God send anybody to hell? And I want to say he does not. But he allows you to go if you refuse his plan of salvation. The choice is yours. You can make that choice yourself. God loves us so much. But we are so obstinate and rebellious, and we won't respond to His love. Israel lost her great opportunity that day in Luke 1942, it says, "If you had known even you especially in this your day the things that make you for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The opportunity was offered, refused, and lost. lost forever. God's mercy, will one day run out, and I want to warn you that you need to accept him while you still can. Israel had her times of visitation. God sent Moses and the prophets to talk to them. David stretched the kingdom from Dan to Beersheba. Again, when they returned from Babylon to rebuild the city, the walls, and the temple, now they were rejecting Jesus, their Messiah, again. They killed the prophets and stoned those who sent, who were sent to deliver them, and soon they would crucify God's son himself. People say, "Well, if only they had known." Well, if they had paid attention, they would have known. Jesus wept for what Israel might have been if she had only obeyed God, but Israel missed her choice, her chance. This sad story still happens in too many lives god has a purpose for your life and and, uh, he wants to provide the best for you jesus came as king but the people misunderstood his kingdom they thought in terms of an earthly kingdom that would eventually pass away listen jesus christ is coming as king victorious over all creation and establish a kingdom that will never pass away jesus christ the son of god that day was coming as king over sickness and disease Uh, and the same thing today he is the one that is the king over sickness and disease think about how he had shown the people his power by healing the lame man or the blind man helping them to see again jesus christ was coming as king over demons and darkness We remember how he had healed the man that said he had a legion of demons, uh, the man that lived in the tombs. We remember how he had taken the demon or cast the demon out of the little boy that was possessed by the demon and kept throwing himself into the fire. We remember how he took seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. And you know, our demonic problems are just beginning and will get worse. We need Jesus Christ. I believe that the activities of demons today are probably never been so bad except for that generation when Jesus walked the earth. But the demons know that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And he's coming as King victorious over discouragement, defeat, and uh, over all the demonic forces that are trying to destroy us today. Jesus... uh, brought uh, encouragement to nicodemus when he came to him in the middle of the night and said what must i do to be saved jesus said to you must be born again jesus was coming that day as conquering king over pain and brokenheartedness remember he had conquered death and mary and martha and lazarus had seen his hand firsthand jesus christ god's son was coming as king over sin death and the grave Zacchaeus had been forgiven the widow from Nain her son had been restored to his mother after he had died Lazarus was alive (laughs) listen to what Christ said was his purpose for coming Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of, of the Lord. The people of Jerusalem didn't understand that day. Before that week was over, they even thought christ's kingdom was destroyed that fickle crowd that loved him so much that day were screaming for his crucifixion by friday oh how terrible it was and how degenerate people's minds are jesus though had to die on the cross in order to establish his spiritual kingdom for all time and eternity we read in isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6 and isaiah was describing the crucifixion 700 or so years before it actually happened. But he said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, Satan thought he'd won a victory over God when Jesus Christ was crucified. But he was soon to find out that he had suffered the worst defeat that he could experience. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week. But I want you to know Satan often shoots himself in the foot. He makes these plans, but he can't stand up against Almighty God. Satan is now a defeated enemy. He's been defeated forever. And all we need to do is accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and we can overcome the things that Satan is trying to do in our lives. Jesus had to go to prepare a place for us who love him. But he promised he'll come again to get us. In John 14, verses 2 through 6, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, We'll celebrate in our churches his first coming as king to Jerusalem, but soon we'll meet him in the air. One day he's going to come and he's going to take his church in the rapture where we're going to be caught up to meet him and go to be with him for the glorious uh, marriage feast of the Lamb. And uh, during that time, that's going to last about seven years, during that time, uh satan's going to run rampant over the earth there'll be the mark of the beast the great tribulation all these things we'll talk about later but then seven years after jesus takes us in the rapture we'll see his second coming as king of kings and lord of lords then there'll be no misunderstanding who he really is have you confessed him as your lord today you will on that great and terrible day you know, people say, Well, I don't want to submit to him. Listen, Philippians two, ten and eleven says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. You're going to confess either now or later. I would suggest you do it now. Even Satan's going to have to confess who Jesus Christ is. How terrifying it would be to stand before our almighty God unprepared. But you don't have to be unprepared because he's provided a way for you to know him as your personal savior, to allow him to make you part of his family, to adopt you and take you to heaven one day to live for him are with him for all eternity. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And person, friend, I would tell you today is the day that you need to repent. Ask God to forgive you your sins and come into your life and join the ranks of the family of God. The king came to Jerusalem the first time and the people missed it the king is coming again and i don't want you to miss it remember jesus christ is coming again I, I would like to sing a song today the king is coming i've done that in church often but i'm afraid of copyright restrictions but i will tell you the course the king is coming the king is coming i just heard the trumpet sounding and soon his face i'll see the king is coming the king is coming Praise God, he's coming for me. And I hope that you'll make it where praise God, he's coming for you too. Dear Father, I would just pray that each one that's listened to this message today would know you as their personal Savior. God, that if they have a spiritual need right now, they'll confess their sins to you, allow you to come into their lives. And Father, when you come in your glorious triumphant entry into the world again may they be ready to receive you and love you and live with you for all eternity we ask this in jesus precious name amen well i hope you have a real nice palm sunday i hope you go to church and i hope that there at church they they remember to preach the gospel like it really is and i i just uh hope if you want to get in touch with me that you'll drop me a line either uh you know william woods from box 4031 uh, sun valley arizona 86029 or email lowercase r-e-v w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com well god bless you and uh, i hope that uh, you have a glorious palm sunday and remember We celebrate Holy Week and remember the significance of Easter. They call it Easter. It's actually Resurrection Sunday, the greatest day that Christians can look forward to. God bless you.